Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. It's really great to be with you. I love technology that gives us this incredible venue of ability to actually communicate uh, with the distance, with the isolation. It's good to be with you wherever you are in the world. Uh, it's, it's great to be talking to you this morning. I, I want to talk to you today about uh, maturity. Uh, you are so immature uh, was like the worst insult you could ever give or receive when I was a kid. I don't like it much now either, but I don't hear it so much anymore. That insult or honest observation uh, was usually handed to me by a girl on the school playground in middle school, elementary school. Uh, this girl would have been more than likely taller than me, bigger than me, and, and you know, I hate to admit it, but smarter than me. I heard this when I was uh, busy making action figures out of glue. I don't know if you ever did it or not. Or uh, when my friends and I wrestled each other for no reason, uh, rolling on the ground and getting our shirts all torn up. Uh, I, I never appreciated being labeled immature. So uh, I tried, when the girls were around, I tried to act grown up. Well, I'm no longer spending my time on elementary school playgrounds, but I can still be immature. And as a result, I can be unsatisfied. Mature people are only truly thriving, truly glad, and truly joyful out of their relationship and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mature people rejoice in the Lord. I invite you to listen this morning to what Paul says on the topic of maturity. Paul is one of those um, well-known historical figures associated with the life of Jesus. Paul, who in his early life had been known as Saul, uh, had been one of the main haters of Christians. He, he led a movement against those uh, who followed Jesus, even supervising their assassination. Uh, this went on until he had a face-to-face -face meeting with Jesus that changed his life completely. Paul was so changed by his meeting with Jesus that he devoted the rest of his life to him and his teachings, willing to speak on behalf of, uh, to be beat, uh, prison, and willing to die for the one he had previously hated. The, the Bible really is just a historical record of, of all of his travels and many others, of course, as well. And it contains letters that Paul wrote uh, to the people he met on his way. Timothy was one of those he met uh, whose life had been transformed completely by Jesus, so much so that he joined the cause alongside Paul. Paul and Timothy wrote a letter uh, during these times to a group of people called Philippians. In this letter, um, they motivate the recipients of the letter with a call to maturity. So this letter that he wrote is a, is a letter written from lockdown. It's written from prison, isolation. Uh, Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote the letter. Uh, you know, you, you know he's, he, he's having to have incredibly mature thoughts to be able to make it in prison. Uh, Paul writes from incarceration, he writes this, uh, Philippians 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it's safe. In the next verses after verse 1, he gives practical advice on how to rejoice in the Lord. And then he says in verse 15, he says, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, there it is, have this mind. 
And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord because that's what mature people do. I think Paul and Timothy can help us wrap our minds around how to live joyfully and thus with maturity. Philippians 3 uh, begins uh, with this strong directive, uh, recommendation that the Philippians should rejoice in the Lord. He justifies what he says, that he's saying this again to them. He's already said it earlier on in this letter. Uh, Philippians 1, he says, uh, In every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. This is this affirmation and this confirmation that, that Paul is going to rejoice no matter what his circumstances. Rejoice in the Lord because that's what mature people do. Well, maturity. <laughs> what does it really mean? Uh, how does Paul define maturity? Uh, the word there is a word that actually uh, maturity is defined as this uh, consummate human integrity and virtue. Uh, it's, it's this way of living uh, that is known as complete honesty and morality. So an honest life with high morality. Uh, contrast this in how we actually define maturity in our world today. Uh, you know, it's basically, we, we define someone as mature if they're old enough to be as sinful as they want to be. Um, if you are successfully sleeping around or old enough to watch pornography, you're mature. That's how we define it. Or if you like alcohol, you're an adult. If you can hold your alcohol, if you like alcohol, you're an adult. Uh, the film industry rates movies based on how they define maturity, age. You have to be mature to view violence, crude language, and nudity or sexual content. Of course, you have to be mature to, uh, to drive a car or join the army. It's, it's all based on age. Even the food industry has jumped on this. The food industry likes the word maturity in describing fine wines, cheese, uh, meat, and Tabasco sauce, by the way. It takes three years to make a really good Tabasco sauce. The kind of maturity that Paul is talking about is defined around how much integrity and virtue a person has. Maturity is defined by honesty, not dishonesty. Morality, not immorality. A mature person places no confidence in base human desires or temptations. A mature person values Jesus over everything in this world. He forgets all the things he used to love and lives for Jesus. Regardless of how he might define maturity, I still want to be mature. How about you? None of us like to be labeled immature. Immaturity is never okay in anyone's book. Okay, so how do I rejoice in the Lord? How do I get mature? Paul explains this as you keep reading in chapter 3 of Philippians. In the book of Philippians, he describes this. He says this, that he says, Paul says, I need to consider knowing Christ more valuable than what I can do in my own strength, more valuable than my disciplined lifestyle or my religious zeal or ambition. Paul said he placed no confidence in the flesh, but put total trust in Christ. I need to rely completely on Christ, not my own efforts and abilities. Paul warns against any confidence in the flesh. What he means by the flesh is uh, is 
our human nature void of any divine influence. It's all of our base desires outside of any of God's influence and intervention. Everything that is opposed to God, that's the flesh. Paul is actually not very kind in how he describes people who are insisting that they get circumcised. Circumcision was connected with uh, this dependence on the flesh. They be circumcised to be approved by God. That's what, how the Jewish operated and functioned. Paul is saying totally that he hates that. This is something he can't stand because when we place faith in Jesus Christ, then we stop depending on this fleshly activity of circumcision. He's not very kind about people who get circumcised after they decide to follow Christ. He says this. He calls them dogs in Philippians 3. He calls them evildoers and mutilators. Paul had no patience with people who insisted on circumcision after they had given their life to Christ. In, the, in his mind, uh, this was dependency on the flesh for salvation. Uh, to the Galatians, uh, to another group of people he wrote a letter to, he wrote that he wished that people who were insisting on circumcision uh, would not just stop at circumcision, but, but would just go ahead and emasculate themselves. Whoa! You know, Paul had strong feelings about this. Paul says in verse 3 of chapter 3, uh, he says, We are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. The true circumcision were people who actually were approved by God through spiritual ways, not because of something they did in the flesh. Uh, uh, people who actually uh, were, were proud of being connected with God, who, who uh, found their joy and excitement only in Christ. Paul says, uh, he continues, he says, uh, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. He talks about how he had reason to actually have confidence in the flesh. He says this, if anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more, he says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul, after listing all his accomplishments as a case for, if anyone has a reason to have confidence in the flesh, I do, he describes how none of that matters to him anymore. He says this, Philippians 3, verses 2, uh, sorry, verses 7 through 8. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. So he's saying, I was born of the right people. I was born into the right uh, group and culture, uh, the right color. I was blameless. Uh, I was in the highest religious order. I couldn't be more educated. He couldn't get a higher degree than me. He also had credibility because he had actually killed Christians. Uh, he was willing to die for himself. Now he thinks all of that is nothing compared to gaining Christ. Paul says, I forget the past life of living for me, and now I want to live for and die for Christ. He even laments. Uh, there's this lament at the, at the end of chapter 3 of people who've placed confidence in the flesh who used to actually follow Jesus. It says this, For many of whom I have often told you, and now you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Uh, their, their end is destruction, 
and their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. These things that I worked for or towards or that are no longer priorities are those things that have been taken away from me are nothing compared to knowing Christ. You can ask yourself the question, do I, do I count these things as loss? All the things I've lost, all the things that have been taken away from me. Uh, do I count them as, as rubbish uh, for the excellence of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord? Rejoicing in the Lord starts by valuing him over anything else. Jesus needs to become the prize. I spoke to a dear friend of mine over Zoom recently. Uh, he has lost a big portion of his income due to current lockdown laws. I asked him how he was doing. Uh, he said he was fine uh, because of his active relationship with Christ. He went on to tell me that the person he was before Christ could not have handled this. Alcohol and other loves would have been his go-to in these difficult days. Because of Christ, he's changed his value system, and so he's doing well. Paul tells us that he had changed his value structure. Christ became his prize over everything else. Knowing Christ has to be more valuable to us than everything else. Uh, there's more in this letter. Uh, he gives us a glimpse of how he functioned day to day. He kept pressing on towards what he called the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He did so by forgetting the past and reaching for what was ahead. So Paul changed his value system and actively forgot the past and reached for the future. Forget the past, he says. Not that I've already attained it, or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Philippians 3, verse 12. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which were uh, behind and reaching towards those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul practiced forgetting the past while he stretched for the future. Forget the past. I need to forget about all the things I have lost and all the things I used to rely on and reach for what I'm gaining in knowing Christ. Uh, there's perhaps a few things that uh, we all need to forget in these days. I, I think we need to forget the, the real threat of death to ourselves and possibly to our friends and loved ones. This fear of death that we just seems to consume our minds. We need to forget that. I think possibly we need to forget um, the real true collapse of financial structures that we see all around us that, that used to support our way of life. We need to forget that. Stop stressing about the money. I think possibly we need to forget that we've been isolated or alone. Stop focusing on that. I'm so lonely. I think we need to uh, forget uh, that, that, that loss we're feeling of this face-to-face -face contact that we're, we love. I don't know how social you are. Uh, it's possible that there are a lot of introverts out there who are delighted by this, but there's a lot of extroverts right now who um, actually are really missing uh, you know, human contact. 
we need to forget uh, the reality of, of empty places, empty buildings, uh, empty churches. Gosh, I miss church. I miss being together, uh, all of us together. Uh, we need to forget that and move towards what God has for us in the future. Uh, we need to forget th th this loss of purpose that we all seem to be feeling. Uh, someone asked me the other day if, if I'm feeling a loss of purpose, and I said, yeah, uh, in many ways I am, but I, I think I'm one of billions who feel this way. Um, I need to forget that. I need to press towards the future. I also need to forget uh, how self-sufficient I used to be. Uh, this dependency on myself. I need to forget how uh, I just took care of myself. Uh, I need to forget my curriculum vita, And yeah, I need to forget all these things uh, that I used to hang on to. I have to forget the past. And forgetting can be hard, uh, especially the older I get. Uh, remember the good old days. Uh, I've got to forget it. Uh, nostalgia right now is very dangerous. For me to go forward, I, I, I can't be nostalgic. I, I've got to look forward. Living in the past. Hard in, you know, living in the past um, has just become harder and harder as I've gotten older. Um, the thing is, I, I can see, uh, the older I get, I can see more behind me than, than what I think is ahead. Uh, I can get stuck in the past and miss out on what's in store for me. Uh, in my youth, I had some painful breakups. Um, how do I forget those now? I just look at Dana and my pain is gone. I forget and reach forward at the same time. So Paul says, forget the past, reach for the future. Philippians 3.13 um, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. I reach and stretch with all of God's strength towards a new direction. Like my life depends on it because it does. Paul called this an upward call of God found in Christ Jesus. Uh, here's a few things to look forward to that are listed in this chapter. Uh, verse 9, uh, Paul says he wants to be found in Christ, not having his own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So we can look forward to this kind of righteousness that comes from faith in Christ, not in my own self-man-made version of good works approval living. A life no longer sustained by self-sufficiency, but by total dependency. A life that looks to the Savior instead of to self. I also need to look forward to the power, the real power of the resurrection. God's power over death. It's real power over the limitations of this world. COVID or whatever other disease or, or whatever could happen to you to kill you is not nearly as powerful as the God we love and serve. Also too, I have to look forward to this, this sweet fellowship and intimacy than I can have in knowing Christ through suffering. I need to, I need to shift my attention to my suffering to the, the, the hope of this incredible close relationship that I can have that comes only in Christ. I'm telling you, suffering for Jesus is highly underrated. There is an intimacy that is unimaginable that comes through suffering for the cause of Christ. I can actually look forward to this. One of the things you always hear from believers that have suffered in some way for their faith 
is how Jesus was truly their friend, close friend in those moments, a friend that was closer than a brother. It's a kind of closeness uh, that they miss when the suffering is over. We can also look forward to a real resurrection, not just the power of the resurrection, but an actual resurrection. Philippians 3.11, Paul says, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. This life is not the end. Uh, resurrection, the rising of the dead, is promised to come suddenly without warning to everyone uh, on the planet. Uh, Jesus said this, uh, it's recorded in John 5, verses 28 and following. He says, don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Resurrection is coming for all of us, for everyone. And as a believer, as a follower of Christ, I can look forward to this because I'm going to see Christ face to face. I forget the past, and I look forward. That's how I rejoice in Christ, and that's how I become mature. In all of this, there's a sense that there is an intentional, simultaneous forgetting the past and reaching forward to the future. Paul refers to this type of intentionality as pressing. I've got to press on so that I can take hold of that which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. So back to my elementary schoolyard, our middle school. Uh, my, my schoolyard, for whatever reason, was covered in the most beautiful trees. It, it covered the entire yard. So in my immaturity, uh, my friends and I, uh, set a goal to see if we could circumnavigate uh, the entire playground using only trees. So we'd climb up in the tree in the farthest corner of the, uh, of the yard, and then we would go from tree to tree, uh, branch to branch, without touching the ground to get around and, and, and circle the entire yard. That was our goal. We started at the beginning of the year. Uh, we were doing great. We'd done two or three trees, but there was just this one tree that we always got stuck on. Um, and, and we all pretty much fell out of this same tree in our, in our pursuit of victory. This is important. There was one branch on one tree that was too far away for us to get a hold of. I still remember, uh, like it's in slow motion, um, one of my falls. I started falling, uh, trying to reach for this branch, thinking I was going to land on my feet when a branch below me uh, caught my right leg and swung me upside down, so I landed on my shoulder. Of course, the fall did not stop us. Uh, we kept trying until one day I found an alternative route to the elusive branch. I went up a little bit higher and then back around and I was able to reach the branch on the other tree. I was so excited. I was by myself. I lunged for the branch, got a firm hold and made easy work of the rest of the trees. I got to the end. And even though my name was spoken of in hushed and admiring reverent tones. There was still a girl at the end of the yard who looked at me and said, you are so immature. Uh, we need to forget the number of times we've fallen out of the trees and, and the branch we're holding onto for security, this, this past branch we're hanging onto for security and we need to press on, stretch towards that other branch, the future we have in Christ. We need to rejoice in the Lord and nothing else because that's what mature people do. 
Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this even to you. Press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And that, my friends, is so mature. This is Rico Veca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.